All right, y'all, we had actually too much heat on the last episode. The, <laughs> we're only allowed to record up to 60 minutes, and we were just, we were just chatting. It's so fun. we had to pause that one and then make a new one. So, yeah, we're in the midst of talking about your mom had found out that you weren't really in school. You went back, got all A's somehow, um, and then I'm guessing you, this is now you have graduated. Yeah, so the reason why I specified the all A's is I needed all A's to bring my GPA up <laughs> in order to graduate. <laughs> Because I had gotten 0.0 on semesters because I didn't go at all. Yeah. So in order for me to graduate in the year, I needed all my major courses to be LAs. Yeah. So that's why I specify I'm not saying that to... You Just know. to brag. Like, yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was an absolute necessity. It. Or I would be in school for another semester or a year. Yeah. And I needed to graduate. So um, yeah, finished graduating. And after I graduated, I decided to move to Atlanta. Um, and that was 2019, June. Okay. Uh, is it June, June? I think June. June 2019 is when I moved. Yeah. But I got signed in 2017, and I, for the next two years, like I said, I I'd been working uh, Pretty back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So every month or two, I'll come down to Atlanta, do a job, and go back. So I was working like part time, um, and my goal still was LA. So I was saying my goal was go to Atlanta, work for maybe a year or two, get some experience, and then move out to LA. Yeah. And then, you know, that was the goal. I ended up staying here for multiple reasons, but one being that it's so close to home, right? It's yeah. a seven hour drive. If I want to visit my family or if something happens, I need to go back, like, you can. it's a seven yeah. hour drive. Like, it's not that bad. So COVID, for example, I just drove back during COVID. Yeah, that's nice. I could drive back whenever I wanted to. And then versus LA, I'd have to fly every time I visit them for Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever. But if I lived in Atlanta, I could just drive whenever, you know, mm-hmm. more frequent visits. So that was number one. Number two was that I did not expect to work uh, so consistently so fast. I thought it was gonna take, you know, or I didn't realize like how consistent I would be um, moving there. So as soon as I moved, my first month, I just decided I wanted to train because we didn't have weekly classes in North Carolina, right? So I would drive every week to Virginia which is a five hour drive. I would drive there for, since I started college, I was driving there every other weekend. And then it soon became every week. I would go five hours up to take two classes to drive back down to North Carolina five hours. Solo road tripping, just driving. Yeah. Um, and then ended up doing that to Atlanta once I started working in Atlanta. So I ended up developing a lot of connections there. And then when I moved, I just trained. I took three classes a day, every day. Um, I ended up teaching a lot too. So I started teaching uh, at 401 at the time, Groove to Music, Rhythma, Area 54, or Area, I taught at like a bunch of different studios at the time. And I was training as much as I could. Took everyone's class that was there. And then after my first month, uh, my goal was I had money saved up so that I could just really try, dance, and then, you know, if it didn't work out in the first few months, I was gonna get a job and work, save up, whatever, keep pursuing it. But literally the first month I got there, I think I started booking. Like I, I was very blessed. And this is the thing, people from outside don't realize that I had done the networking for the two years prior, driving back down and forth. Yeah. So everyone already yeah, you knew put your who work I in. was. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, people knew who I was when I moved. It wasn't like I was some random stranger that came Just in. Pulled up, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like people knew who I was. I already was training and working, so I had some sort of recognition or name here. Even if I wasn't up there, I was still somebody that people knew of. 
So once I got here, you know, I just was in class all the time, trained with everybody. And then finally, you know, I started jo- working jobs and I never stopped from there. Like I just consistently yeah. worked and it got to the point where I think a year or two in, um, I had a conversation with somebody in LA and they, I was talking about moving to LA and they said, why would you move to LA? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, it's the goal in the beginning. And he said, well, the goal isn't LA. The goal it's is to working. yeah, make a living out of doing what you love and have a successful career. And that really put into perspective, man, you're right. Yeah. Like, the goal isn't LA, it's actually to make a living. So I was doing that comfortably here. So that's another reason why I stayed. Uh, I think uh, visits to LA are great. And I worked in LA a couple of times, which is also amazing. Um, but yeah, I think Atlanta, out of all the places I've been to, has the most community. So mm. it's like the most close to home, Yeah. right? Like we have, Support here, like you know, we go into Aaron's class all the time. Yeah, and it's nothing People but love. screaming and cheering it's for a each party other. Party every time. It is, and it's crazy because auditions are also a party. Yeah, it's crazy because like a lot of these auditions, you cheer for each other. Yeah, like I've been. Like it's competitive. Like yeah. everybody wants to be chosen, but you're not like not you're not just yeah. quiet when everybody else is going. I Dude, love that. It's so different because I've been to auditions in LA and New York. Pepe. It's so different, like. Even if you are friends, like, it's maybe a little bit of cheering for your friends, but most of the time people are just focused on themselves. Yeah. They're not really, you know, focused on that stuff. But in Atlanta, it's a party. Like, yeah. every time I've been to an audition here, it's, it's been fun. Yeah. Versus other places, it feels like a competition. It's like, okay, this is serious. an audition, yeah. So that's like another small thing, but I feel like that sense of community is great. I love having that. Small thing, but I love having a car. Driving, yeah. New York, obviously, you won't have. It's not really necessary. Yeah, like the train and LA is kind of similar, but yeah, there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to stay in Atlanta, and I've been here ever since then. And yeah, I think uh, bi coastal is more of a thing that I'd be down for, which is you know having I think a more spot people there. are starting to do that too. Yeah. So, and you said you started teaching. Like, what? How did you? When did you start to develop your own sense of your own style mm. of choreography? Like yeah. you, again, was this something that you were nervous to start? Did uh-huh. you spend six to eight hours making your own mm-hmm. stuff up? Like how did that kind of start? Wow, great question, great question. Um, so I started choreographing my freshman year just out of you know Love. curiosity yeah. and fun, right? It was never to teach necessarily, because in my head, I always viewed teaching as a duty. And responsibility it's not something in my opinion teaching isn't something where you should go and just kind of share like you can have like a session you can have things where you're just teaching to to share teach or whatever but you shouldn't charge anything but if you're charging people money you're responsible for knowledge being given and taught to these people right yeah because what you're teaching them is going to affect the next generation and the next generation and so on. Yeah. So for me, I genuinely feel like teaching is a, a duty and a responsibility for you to educate the next generation. So I definitely stress a lot of importance on like, not necessarily teaching when you're quote unquote ready to teach, but just being intentional and when you're teaching, actually having something to teach other than just steps. Just showing some steps. Yeah. And I think like, a pet peeve of mine when I was growing up was that I would see teachers that would show off. That was the whole point of teaching was 
I want to show them feel I'm good better about than themselves. You. Yeah. yeah, they would try to put themselves up and get everyone to look at them get like that oh ego gosh. boost. Yes, and now half the time they would like teach the combo, but teach it horribly, and then just show them show it off, and then be like, <laughs> like they would go past the part that they taught to, and they just do the whole choreo just to show people, yeah, I've seen and that. to get people to go, oh my gosh, yeah, and like when I, where I'm from, it was everyone kind of hyped it up. Because we didn't know better. Mm-hmm. But as a student of myself, I didn't really like that. I wanted to learn. And I, I started to feel that some of the teachers weren't really Authentic. in it. Yeah. yeah, they weren't in it to teach. They were in it to show off. Mm. So I think that's number one for me. I think that helped me kind of start or know when I start, wanted to start teaching. I started with teaching friends for free all the time. I would just teach every week. It wasn't even every, it's like every other day, like I'd invite people, like, hey, I have a, I have a combo, do you want to learn it? And I'd start teaching, practicing, trying to teach it better. And then, like I said, choreographing-wise, I just kind of choreographed out of curiosity. Um, and at first, it was very much modeled after, like, GRV. Yeah. And, like, Ben Martin, Sora Yang, like, yeah. hitting all the beats. So I would do a lot of Ace Hood and, like, super, super beat heavy. I would just hit all the beats. I wouldn't do any lyrics. It's just... <laughs> Yeah, because all I did was hectic. It was crazy, um, and obviously as time passed, I started learning more styles, and then I started to learn to calm down. I started learning the groove. Mm-hmm. I started learning flow, bunch of other stuff. Um, but I think this ties into training as well, uh, and choreographing for me is I trained in like twenty plus styles. Maybe not twenty, but I, I trained in so many styles of dance. People don't know, right? People don't know that I've trained in Bollywood, uh, Bhangra, Barnatyam, which is all like Indian styles. But I've taken Where ballet. did you train these styles? Where did you? Did so you, yeah, like, did they just have these classes in college? <laughs> so there was actually an Indian dance team in college. Oh, you just like pulled up on Dude, them? Like, yo, I didn't even some. pull up. Like my roommate at the time, we joined uh, my dance team fusion yeah. at the same time, and then. This my sophomore year, like he knew, like through the Indian community, that there was a Bollywood dance team. So he's like, "Dude, let's just go for fun." We ended up going yeah. and I ended up making the team. And we're like, oh, "Wait, you were on a Bollywood team?" Yeah. I was like, "You know what? Let's just do it." Yeah. So I ended up doing it, and then they asked me to like, choreograph some hip hop stuff. So I was like, "All right, cool." I ended up choreographing like my first year on it. We ended up winning like, or we got third place at some competition in New York. Then we took a break. I think we joined it. Uh, a couple years later, we like led the team. It was like me, my roommate VJ, and then Smurthy. Mm-hmm. And I was the artistic director, so I was in charge of like pretty much all the transitions, all the choreography for not all, but like pretty much I choreographed half the sets. Yeah, um, I, I actually choreographed Bollywood stuff too with VJ and like learning stuff. But uh, essentially, yeah, that's kind of where I got my training. And Bhangra is my favorite style, which is wow. super high energy. It's the whole time you're just jumping you're just never grounded you're always yeah. going um but i don't know something about that style just gives me joy but that's where i took those training i took ballet in college when i got into college there was a i took dance classes there we didn't have a dance major but we had a minor so they had like certain classes i took afro i took ballet i took social dance which is like you know waltz uh foxtrot yeah salsa stuff like that um, and obviously then I also trained street styles, I trained funk styles, like popping, house, whacking, locking, um, all that stuff. So yeah. I have 
a lot tap dance. You had the foundation. I, I did tap in college. Yeah. Um, shout out to Ben. You and Ben got to do it. Yeah. yeah, but I'm about to say, y'all, you and Ben, ben got to teach back class. Out. I haven't like pulled out my tap shoes for like six years, and then Ben was like, "Yo, you want to tap?" And I'm like, yeah, "I'll be real, I haven't tapped in a minute." Yeah. He's like, "Yo, it's all good," and I just I was in it, but yeah. he got me back into it, but. Yeah, I trained in so many contemporary, uh, all, all these other things. Yeah. People don't know because I don't show it now in terms of, you know, showcasing it. Mm-hmm. But I have that training, which is why I can do so many different styles, right? So going back to choreography, for me, when I started to hear a song, once I started learning more styles, it helped me choreograph more naturally. Because if I hear, say, a song that is, has like an island beat, right? I'm not gonna choreograph popping to that song. If I hear a song that has a house beat, I'm not gonna choreograph like contemporary to that house track. Mm-hmm. So for me, once I started learning all these styles, I, I wanted to learn them for dance purposes, just to get better as a dancer. Um, but I think choreography, it helped uh, because I had all those understanding of those styles. So then all of these movements that came when I was starting to choreograph for these different songs, they were all dictated by the music. Yeah. So And I that's cool. Now you can pull out you can mm-hmm. you can choreograph to more more songs, more yes. movements because you have such a wide, you know, skill set. Exactly. So I think I definitely owe the training in different styles uh, to my choreography. Yeah. But I think the one thing that stayed consistent was footwork. Obviously people always talk about, yo, like your footwork's crazy. Dog. I don't think it's crazy half well, the time. Nah, but. bro, look. I'm gonna have to, I don't want to take it from you, but real quick. The first time I met Elliot was, it was your class, was class at right? Groove. Yeah. And this was still pretty early in my dance career. And I remember, I, am, I literally was so thankful after class that I was the only one. Because it basically mm-hmm. became a private. It was a private, yeah. I signed up, you know, again, I'm in my, I'm in my era of like, yo, let me just take class and I see... I see what music into movement mm-hmm. on, on the flyer group. I pull up and it's just me and Elliot. And I'm like, all right, like, whatever, it's a private, cool. And I remember you asked, you were like, oh, like what level are you at? And I'm like, ah, I'm like, at, like put me at a five. Mm-hmm. I remember I asked what kind of like level you teach at. He's like, oh, I usually like, I push the advanced dancers. And I remember mm-hmm. immediately I was like, ah, oh, shit. And I actually saw the choreo that you actually taught me. You, you, taught, you taught the full thing at Excel a while ago and posted it. Yeah. But the footwork kicked my ass. And again, I played basketball. Like, I feel pretty confident for the most part with like, footwork in classes. Mm-hmm. But dog, that, that shit was crazy. So no, your <laughs> Dude, footwork, you, when man. people say that, they're not, they're not saying it just to be nice. Like, they're saying it because that shit is a push. Bro, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, but. Yeah, I didn't really think. I, I never think my stuff is hard or like footwork is crazy until people, like everyone says something about yeah. it. Then I start thinking like, okay, maybe it's natural for me because of my background, but for other people, it's, it's foreign. So that's why, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's challenging. But that's why I think when I teach, I always try to teach people concepts, like understanding mm-hmm. your weight. I'm not teaching just footwork. Yeah. And like a lot of my classes now, every time I do Excel, there's two hours. Yeah, you do the, the foundation. Hour, I do house yeah. rent a whole hour every time. And then I do choreography at the end. But I think like that's something that's missing, that's missing here is foundational Foundation. training Absolutely. that's the stuff that I did all the time like behind the scenes right once I I told you like I'll do 6-8 hours a day once I had after my first two years then I started learning more foundations that's mm-hmm. when I had more exposure like people from Japan or some other places would come and they would train me in popping like Korea 
or house or whatever. I'll kind of like, I'll go to DC, I'll go to New York, start learning house from like the actual OGs from New York and stuff. Um, I had some people from DC that would travel up there, so then I would learn under them. So it was very much training in those foundational styles after a couple years in. Yeah. And that's the stuff I practiced for hours after. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't just the choreography anymore. It yeah. started becoming a lot of other stuff. Dang. Yeah, bro, you, you've trained. Um, okay, so with the professional side, mm. what, is, what is something that surprised you about working in the industry? Surprised me? Like that you just didn't expect, nobody had said anything about it, you just oh. realized <laughs> from multiple jobs, like, oh, this is just a part, this is just something that is a mm. part of this. Whether, and it can be good or bad. Okay, I would say the first thing I thought it was a bad thing, which And that's was, fair, I mean, like, it, it's realistic, right? There's not, yeah. not every industry is perfect, so what, what is Dude, it? it's definitely not perfect. Yeah, it's I know, like, right? So wait, what is it then? So, the fact that you're gonna be waiting so long for so many jobs. There's a, you, everyone knows, if you're in the industry, you know this, the hurry up and wait, that's what we call it. Basically, they say, oh, call time's at 6.30 a.m. I, we talked about this off, off the podcast, yeah. but you get there at 6.30 a.m. as call time, and you sit there and you wait until 7.30 p.m., and then you start shooting your yes. scene at 7.30 p.m. So you're over here waiting for 13 hours. They don't let you go anywhere. You're just stuck there. Are you getting paid for this? You're getting paid for the shoot day. You're not yeah. getting paid for... Like per hour. Yes. Okay. Some of, them, some of the contracts have the... Uh, 12, 12 hour yeah. and then plus over time but say it is a 12 hour shoot day right they'll get you at 6pm 6am and you'll wait till 4pm so you waited 10 hours doing nothing and then you shoot in 2 hours and they, they expect you to get everything done why do they have you waiting there for 10 hours they just suck like the production is just really unprofessional they don't have their stuff scheduled I don't know like I get if you go there for hair and makeup, I understand that. And like, obviously certain productions like films make sense. But what I'm talking about more specifically is like music videos and stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of those are very much, they, they're very behind on their shots. They, yeah. they think that they're gonna get all these shots done and they start shooting and it just takes them forever and then you're waiting forever. So like I said, some jobs it makes sense. Like, I said, where you need hair and makeup. But and more often than not. Yeah. But if they were just a little bit more on there. Ah, just tell us when to get there, man. Like, yeah. We could have gotten there seven hours later and we still would have been fine. Yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like I've done a few music videos, like the SAG ones for sure. You, they're on time. I went there. I was in there now in like a few hours. Mm -hmm. But there are some that I've been there for 15 hours. It's crazy. Damn. Yeah. Okay, what's a, what's a good <laughs> one then? Um, I think... Hmm. Nothing positive? I mean, no, there, there are. I think, uh, honestly, I think the people are yeah. what's, what I would say the most positive part that I've learned is that I think before coming in, you kind of hear the nasty stuff only. You don't really hear about the good things. You see the good things on Instagram, mm -hmm. aka the jobs that they post, but you don't really, you hear more negative stuff. Yeah. And I think automatically before I, I was in the industry, I assumed that 
you know, people were stuck up, people were rude and mean and, you know, like very clicky and not nice to people. But I think once I got into it, I realized that everyone's nice, you know? Yeah. And I, I can't speak for LA and New York, even though I've been there, I haven't worked as much there, so I can't really say, but Atlanta, I mean, everyone's nice. Like even the working dancers, working choreographers, you can talk to them about anything and they'll talk to you. Like yeah. they're not like setting themselves apart from you. Yeah. Like they're like very friendly and down to earth. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things. And same thing with like celebrities, right? I think for me, I, I, I don't really get starstruck. I think when I did at first, it was because I just come to the industry and never met a lot of famous people. Yeah. But obviously after a little bit, I, I don't get starstruck anymore, like yeah. at all. Um, so when I meet these people too, celebrities I, I expect them to kind of have that Area. same yeah but honestly i can only think of one artist i've worked with that has that stuck up nature and it's this rapper that went to jail two days after i filmed with him oh my gosh <laughs> yeah wow but maybe he had a lot on his mind <laughs> who knows dude every other artist though has been super down to earth and like super nice and honestly like people and that's what yeah they're the real people they're just people they're not they are quote unquote celebrities because everyone knows them, but they're humans. Like you have to realize that yeah. they don't always want to be seen as like the celebrity. Sometimes yeah. they just want to be seen as a human. You know. Yeah. So I remember I took a class with Kid of the Great mm-hmm. and Melvin Tim Tim. Yeah. And I definitely have not anymore. I would say, but I had an, at that time because I would be seeing them on Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm. And they were teaching an intensive at um, at Inspire, mm. and they're outside. They're outside in the like watching us do dance to another choreographer, and I like glanced over and see them looking in, and I like yeah. lose, like mentally I like lose my mind. Like I forget the choreo, yeah, and I yeah, mess yeah. up the steps, and then they come in, and I think Kiddo was teaching first, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm like especially Kiddo was like huge, you know, he was yeah, really big, um, and he's teaching and I'm freaking out at first and then this class keeps going I'm like oh like he's literally just another dancer like anybody else I dap him up in the class we have a regular conversation and that really helped me realize like okay like we can't act like again like they're superheroes these people are so different like no they just you know by luck or whatever means they just have Mm -hmm. thousands or hundreds of thousands Instagram followers so that's a a good point everyone's human yeah yeah it's kind of like yeah, you just, you don't know what they go through and obviously, like, what they want. Sometimes they, they just want to kick it. Yeah. And you don't expect that. But, I mean, like I said, I can't speak for every celebrity, but, like, majority of the ones I've worked with, even, like, like they're all, a lot of A-list ones, but they're not acting like they're, like, super famous and whatever. They're just kicking it. Yeah. So it's really cool. Okay. And so what, so far, what has been your favorite professional job? Okay, uh, I would say, honestly, my first one. This man has to literally pull out a list. That's how many <laughs> jobs he's done. He's like, hold on, I don't even remember. Uh, okay, so different question. Favorite or biggest accomplishment? Because I think... Let's do biggest... Okay, let's do biggest accomplishment. Okay. Um, so what's interesting is uh, I thought about this, and I have two. So I have one where it's more of a tangible goal or mm-hmm. biggest accomplishment, but then the other one is deeper into my purpose. So okay. I'll go with the tangible one yeah, first. Start with that one. Yeah. So if I had to pick, it's probably the AMAs that I did with Tony Braxton or mm. the Instagram commercials I did. So 
Reason being, AMAs was cool because it ties back to my roots of violin. So I played violin as my primary instrument. I ended up playing semi-pro like throughout high school. Um, gave it up once I went to college. And then I picked up dance. So then on the AMAs, we were dancing with violins. And some of the violins had no sound on them. Some of them did. But they hired half of them as musicians and half dancers. I was the one person that could do both. Yeah. So I was... I, I had the one violin, one of the violins that worked, and I was also dancing with it. So I was on TV, got my, it was right before, like the day before my birthday. My parents and my family could watch from home. Uh, I got to pull in my roots of violin into my dancing. So it was such a cool, like, full circle yeah, experience for that's me. really crazy. And then Instagram was just crazy because it was the first commercial I choreographed, and I got to dance in, and it was in Mexico. So they flew me out to Mexico City. That's what I was going to say. They fly you out. Bro, first class. Damn. uh, We stayed in like the Four Seasons. It's a super nice hotel. We were there for like two weeks. And it was through Mexico City. was amazing. I got a little sick from some of the food there. Yeah. But it was one of my favorite experiences. Okay. Is that the one that's tied into your purpose? No. So then separately, uh, when when we were talking about biggest accomplishment. So for me... I feel like my my true purpose, right? I think, oh man, this gets really deep. So I'm gonna get into the deep thing later after. Yeah. But essentially, uh, being able to inspire people, share my story, um, getting people to start dancing, bring joy, stuff like that. That's kind of what I feel like is my biggest accomplishment. Is that yeah. I'm able to use my gift of dance to inspire people and make the world a better place. Yeah. That's like ultimately what my purpose is and how I got to that is kind of crazy. And that's actually where my tattoos from. Really? My first tattoo, first and only one, okay. is all based off of my purpose and my story behind that. When did you feel like you found, found that purpose? July, 2015. Oh, damn. So if you can't see, I have a tattoo and it's, uh, it's like a music staff and it has a time signature and the time signature says 715 which is i don't think it's a real time signature but it's the date the month and the year that i found that purpose so really? it's crazy so long story short uh i had been dancing for about two and a half years at the time almost three at the time uh and i was going to monsters dance conventions right uh okay backtrack i did my la trip came back i was like okay i want to pursue dance i was working my butt off Realized that I wasn't getting as good as I wanted to fast enough. Mm-hmm. And I felt hopeless at some point. I felt very, like, when I told you about my depressive state, I was at a point where I was very hopeless and thought that I wasn't really getting anywhere. And I felt like I hit a plateau. So at this point, I didn't really have, like my faith was not really existent. Like growing up, I went to church, my family, whatever. But after college, I stopped kind of going to church, kind of started to question things. Uh, so my faith was kind of lost. But for some reason, I was so lost in my dance like endeavors, and I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere, that I decided to pray. One random day, I was like, yo, God, I don't know if you're here, I don't yeah. know if you're listening, but I need a sign. Like, give me a sign. I want to pursue dance as a career, as a profession, but I don't think it's happening. I, I don't, I've worked so hard for it, but I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I need a sign, like, 
if you tell me that dance isn't my calling, because at that point I started questioning, I don't think it's my calling. I don't think I'm meant to do it. So I, I prayed and I asked God, can you give me a sign? If you tell me it's in something else, I will drop dance and go full time in science, in law, in medical, whatever you tell me it is, I will give up dance and pursue it. I was just that hopeless. I yeah. felt like, it's crazy to think that I've only been dancing for two and a half years and I'm over here you were praying, telling, like, yeah. God, like, I need help. Like, I, I don't think I can make it. And it wasn't like doubting myself. It was more so being so frustrated with the fact that I wasn't growing fast enough. So I prayed and I was like, God, please give me a sign. Next day or two days later, I, it was like during like summer break. I go home. Uh, my family ends up going to this family vacation. We're in Charlotte at a mall and we're walking down like the, the corridors of the mall. My dad's like, yo, Elliot, what do you want to do after you graduate? And I asked him if he wants to hear the truth or what he wants to hear. Yeah. She's like, no, tell me what's up. Tell me the truth. So I tell him I want to be a professional dancer. He's like, what does that mean? So I was like, oh, I want to get signed to an agency. I want to dance with artists and do these shows and tours and concerts, whatever, music videos. Like everything that I knew at the time, not a lot. But I was telling him I wanted to do these things. I was very curious why he's asking me. I was like, he's never once expressed any support or, you know, like interest in my professional dance career at the time because they didn't really support me dancing growing mm-hmm. up and it wasn't that they didn't support it it was more so they kept saying I'm wasting my time and money so I had to hide uh, me dancing yeah like I they never came to performance they like I said I had to hide it because I was training I was traveling every weekend to take classes but if I used a credit card my mom had like access to it so yeah, she would know she's like why are you in Virginia on the weekday or weekend like you're not in school yeah so I would pull out money I would like starve lunch like a couple of days pull out cash pay somebody else and then go so I would do that stuff to go to these dance conventions and workshops um, but yeah I was super frustrated prayed to God my parents started asking me you know about it we sat down at the food court my mom asked me questions they kept asking about what my dance career would mean or what that meant and I explained to them all these things and I told them all these goals. And my mom was like, is that it? That's like your, your end goal is, you know, getting signed to an agency and doing these jobs? I'm like, mom, you don't understand. Like, to get to that point, you have to be like the best of the best. Like, not everyone gets these opportunities to be signed and do these jobs. And my mom was like, what happens once you accomplish those things? Like, there's so much more. You're going to get bored. What are you going to do after that? You need to dream bigger than that. And at the time, I had no idea what it meant. I was like, you don't understand, mom. Like, these are like, once you do this, you're at, you're at the top. Yeah. Like, you're good. But my mom was telling me, she supported me by saying, you need to like, dream, dream bigger. Because bigger, yeah. you're going to accomplish those things and you're going to need to What's do next? more. And I didn't realize that at the time. But I was like, mom, you don't get it. That's the highest thing. But I didn't know. You yeah. know? And then they sat there and they were saying, Elliot, we want to let you know, if you want to pursue dance, we support you. As soon as that happened, I started crying. But it wasn't tears of joy. It wasn't tears of relief. This is why I feel so strongly, like, faithful to God now. Is because when I started crying, it felt like this force, like, physically was pushing my eyes shut like this. And my whole face scrunched up and, like, tears started bawling out. But I wasn't crying from myself. It was just, like, it felt spiritual. 
and I cried and I said thank you. My mom was like, go clean up. Like people can see you crying. Like yeah. go in the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. I went to the stall. First thing I did was pray and I was like, thank you, God. Thank you for this sign. Like I got the support of my parents to pursue dance, which is like the thing I, the one of the hugest things that were on the back of my mind. Yeah. Right? It was like I hide everything and whatever. They finally gave me their support. So that was crazy. But that's not where it ended. This is why it's crazy. After that, uh, Monsters Orlando, like the finale of Monsters Dance Convention was happening in Orlando. And I didn't have any money for it. It's $325. I had no money. I pulled out $325 out of my butt in the next day or two. Like I got a couple of checks from these violin gigs I did that were like a couple hundred dollars. My mom gave us like a little bit of spending money at this mall to spend. My sister bought some stuff. I pocketed all of it to use on this dance convention. Uh, it wasn't too much, but it was enough to add to that total. My mom was like, hey, let's play Sudoku. Let's, and I made a bet with her. And if I beat her, I would get $20 or something. Yeah. And I beat her. So I ended up making just enough money to go to Monsters Dance Convention. So the next two days later, I drove down to Orlando. It was like nine hours with two of my friends, Paul and Julian. We went down to Orlando for Monsters Dance. I got there and I was like, God, thank you so much for giving me this money to come to this dance convention to pursue and my training in my dance career. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. The fact that God gave me this approval and then somehow mustered up $325 so that I could go to this convention and got me there safely. Yeah. So I was just so thankful. It's not, and does not end there. At the time, like I said, I'd only been two and a half years into dancing. We were doing this monsters convention. First class of the day, Laura Edwards is teaching, just chilling in the back. She like stops the class like, yo, you in the back with the hat, with the maroon shirt. I was like, and he looked at me, he's yeah. like, yeah, you, you're killing it. You have, you're like raw, you're like dope. And I'm like, what? And everyone like starts clapping. And I was like, wait, what? Why, why did she call me out? And I was in the middle, I was in the back. Like, I'm not even in the front. Yeah. I'm not the type of person, and you can tell in class, so I'm never in the front. I'm always yeah. in the back corner doing my thing. Like, I don't care about recognition. Yeah. Same thing with conventions. Like, I'm there to learn. So, at the time, like I said, I had only seen people that I knew get scholarships and stuff that were minimum five years of dancing. Nobody before that was really getting a scholarship. So, in my head, I was like, when I get to five years, I want to get my first scholarship at Monsters. That was my, like, benchmark. Yeah. I was two and a half years in, so I was halfway to that point. But did the audition. Like they do the first round, and we all go into the side. They end up calling like a callback round. And I didn't get called back for that. And I was like, damn, I thought I, I, I felt pretty good about it. And Laura Edwards did the audition again. And then I felt for some reason I should keep practicing. So I did the first callback, and a bunch of other people went, they asked some of my friends. And then they call it the final group, which is like the nominee group. And it was like 10 of us. It's people that I looked up to that I know professionally from YouTube and stuff. And I'm in that group. And they're dapping me up as I'm walking out. I'm like, why, why am I here? Yeah. These people are insane. Like I look up to all these people. So I was in that final group and I did the audition, did my best. And then Laura Edwards comes up to me afterwards like, you did create Elliot. Like she remembers, she has like photographic memory so she knows my name and remembers it. And then I get my first scholarship at that monstrous convention. So I pray to God the prior week and literally God gives me my approval of my parents to pursue dance. 
I come up with $325 in like a day or two, go to this convention, and then I get my first scholarship. All of that happens within one week after I pray for a sign. So then I, I publicly, for the first time, post on Instagram and say thank you to God. Um, and I thank God for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was this moment here. And then I didn't realize, though, what my purpose was or why God told me to pursue dance. Because I just was like, okay, cool. God gave me the sign. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. So obviously everything great happened from there. But I didn't realize until two years later what it really meant or what my calling really was. And part of it is right now what I'm doing now, which is sharing my story. right? Sharing yeah. my uh, story of how I you know, started dancing, whatever, but also how I found my faith. I think that is kind of the bigger overarching method of what God wanted me to do with my gift. Mm -hmm. He gave me this gift, but it was to share my story, share how I found God, my experience. It's crazy because I shared this with some people and they, some of them asked me as soon as that happens, like, yo, how can I start praying to God? How can I, like, they weren't faithful at all or had a faith, but as soon as that happened, they started praying and now they're super faithful in that. And it was all through my story. So it's like, I'm not ever using my story to like push it on people. Like you have to pray. But mm-hmm. like, it's more so like just to share what happened to me. Yeah. And how I found my calling and how I found God basically. So that's one of the biggest things. But then also two years later, I started realizing I would get messages from people that I haven't seen or talked to in eight years, 10 years, saying that I'm inspiring them to pursue their passion or to become a better person or become a better dancer or become a better son brother whatever like just by what i'm sharing and pursuing people are inspired um and then the crazier thing is i've had a number of people and i screenshot these messages just for myself don't like post it anywhere because it's pretty personal but people have told me that watching my dance videos have gotten them through really tough times of depression or the darkest times and you know even getting to that point of yeah you know some really dark moments but seeing me dance or my videos or whatever have brought them joy and happiness and it's gotten them through really tough times and i no idea my dance brought that to those people because like these are people i haven't talked to in years but they're just sharing this with me and it meant so much to me to realize that i had this power of influence and inspiration on these people and have helped them get through these tough times so then i start to realize my dancing isn't for me like god didn't want me to dance just to do these jobs to do it for myself he wanted me to use my gift and make an impact on everyone else in the world yeah so now i realize going back to my biggest accomplishment is i want to or i know that my purpose is to make the world a better place, bring joy, inspire people, stuff like that, and teach and share my experience. Damn, man, that's a beautiful story. It's bro. deep, man. Like, it goes deep. It does. All right, I have, I have one more question for you before yeah. we, can, we can wrap it up. Um, and actually, this question my, my dad wanted me to ask. So mm-hmm. shout out to my dad for this. But um, the question is, like, what is, knowing everything you know now, the stage that you're at in your career, um, you know, finding your purpose is what piece of advice mm. would you give yourself the younger you? And honestly, I'm going to split up into two parts. Yeah. Um, whatever initially comes to mind mm-hmm. and then also, or dancing, 
in terms of dancing, right? Yeah. Where it's like practice foundation, do this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what piece of advice would you give yourself in terms of the mental aspects? I know you said that that was mm. also, you said it's 50-50. Yeah, so both, yeah, yeah. Both parts. So, I mean, I, I tend to think both of them as one, right? Mm-hmm. So I, my piece of advice is always mental advice because yeah. the mental is what's holding me back from going faster, right? Okay. So it's kind of like, well, there's two things. So one is going back to what we were talking about of what I would tell myself is like, one, be patient. Yeah. But two, like, that whole concept of realizing that I need to spend more time doing it. Like I got really depressed because I was working really hard and really consistently, but I wasn't growing fast enough. It's all because I wasn't patient enough and I didn't realize I needed to take time. Yeah. So just being like, Elliot, keep doing your thing. Like relax. Don't be so hard on yourself right now. Like you'll get there eventually. Just keep doing it. Like just be patient because I was so eager to get there and get better and I wasn't getting fast enough to where I wanted to get to. So just kind of like, chill out, be patient. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that's like one big note there. And then another thing is, this is kind of what I, hindsight I always think about. And it really came into perspective once I moved. When I I was telling you, as soon as I moved, I started working full time, right? Five months in, I didn't have a day off. I had maybe one day off per month, like including weekends. But after five months passed, I, I remember I did this award show. I think it was my second one in my five months I was there. And after I finished it, I, I got food, I picked up some food, I was sitting in my car eating it at night. And I was thinking, dude, I've been here for five months, but I don't remember any of it. Because all I did was work the whole time. Mm. And that moment felt kind of scary to me because I felt like I wasted five months of my life. I was doing all these goals that I dreamed of doing, you know, uh, working with artists, working on award shows, whatever, all these crazy things before I moved. But five months had passed and I, it was a blink. I don't remember any of it. It was just work the whole time. So that kind of put into perspective that there was so much more life outside of dance and that I needed to learn how to live and not yeah. just work. So it was kind of a crazy moment because it, it really showed to me that dancing wasn't everything. And before I moved, before I was really working full time, I didn't realize. I was like, no, dance is my life, dance is everything. So I, would, I lost friends over dance in the sense of in college, like I remember in high school, I had these like group of best friends and I went to college, I started dancing and they went to a different school and it was 30 minutes, but I was so focused on dance that I didn't even spend time with them anymore. So that, those friendships kind of drifted and I lost those group of friends and they're still really good friends, but I put all my time and energy to dance and it caused me to lose them. So it's like realizing that I had to live outside of dance and realize that there's more to dance or more to life than dance. So that's a big piece of advice I would give my younger self is to make sure I'm living and enjoying life outside of dance and also having people to share that moment with, like share the happiness with. Because when I moved, I was just working and I had a lot of coworkers, like people I see on jobs all the time. But I didn't have homies I could just kick it with or talk to about life or, you know. So it was more so that. It wasn't really a physical dance thing. Mm -hmm. If I did have to be physical, I'd be like, hey, keep stretching, bro. (laughs) Like, sometimes I I would go, like, when I was younger, I would go into class, no stretch, go to auditions, like, stretch a little bit, minimal. I'd be killing it. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Like, energy. Now, bro, (laughs) I walk into class, I'm like... All right, let me get the stretch in yeah. real quick. 
like I, I'm feeling it now more so. Like if I'm doing like heavy, heavy, full out, like Shinoris, if I'm taking Scooter, Shinoris, yeah. I, I need to stretch. If I'm taking Jeremy, I need to stretch. Because there are times where I didn't stretch and I went out and I like pulled my back and I was yeah. out for like two weeks. Yeah. So it's like now I'm realizing as I'm getting older, stretch more. Stretch more. So, damn. All right, man. Well, great podcast. Um, I like to end every episode by like telling, I guess, each guest something I appreciate about them. Um, and I know you're saying, you were saying when you first, what, what got you to love dancing was that one, uh, the YouTube video with the two choreographers, Lyle, yes. for the K-pop. Sean, yeah. And you're saying like, oh, one day I want to get that good and be that inspiration. And what's on getting that good because like who knows how you know it's kind of hard to compare dancer to exactly. dancer in terms of skill mm-hmm. but in terms of being that inspiration like just from like first hand experience like I know for myself and some of my friends like you really do inspire us like I don't know there's one video I'll pull Thank it up you. after after the episode but there's one video that of yours that I've scrolled to to see so many times because the footwork is crazy. I'll show it to you, Bro, and I'll like show my girlfriend. I'll show my. I'll send it to my friend that like, yo, this thing is so crazy. So, mm-hmm. even even going back to again that first class, I remember at the end you like you got any questions? Um, there was an Excel audition at the time, and I was like way mentally I was not there yet. And you were mm-hmm. like, oh, you should just do it, just go see what happens. But um, I remember, and I did it, and like that stuck with me because you're mm-hmm. like, hey, like just go for it, and, like who knows? So. In terms of that original goal of wanting to be that inspiration, like you've you've achieved that. Um, thank so, you. No, yeah, thank you for well for, for sharing your story. Um, I might make this two separate episodes because this one already had forty five yeah, minutes for sure. on the second part. But thank you, man, for coming through. Um, very excited to have had you on. You dropped some some great knowledge. Uh, everybody listening, I hope you had some. You know, he gave you some gems. So really, take away whatever you want, whatever you need. Um, and hope you guys enjoyed it and see you on the next episode. Dude, thank you, man. Thank yeah. you for having me, bro. Appreciate it. Of course, you. man. Appreciate it, brother. Woo!